the elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth and not I only but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever grace mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love Good morning, beloved. I want to welcome you who are here in the worship center and then those who are uh, tuning in online. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It's so good to be with you this morning. Just a quick announcement before I begin the sermon. Uh, our Advent Bible reading plan is available in the Connection Center. Uh, if you didn't pick that up with your weekly uh, take that home. We'll, we'll begin, uh, I believe it's November 28th. It's the first Sunday of Advent. So we begin our journey to the manger and Christmas and everything. Like Chip said, can you believe it's almost here? So anyway, we're in our series in the letters uh, by the Apostle John. Last week, we finished our examination of, it was like six weeks of John's first letter. Today we're focusing on his second letter. His second letter has three driving themes. Truth, love, and obedience. Let's dive in and take a look at these first four verses in this letter. As we heard from the reading, the elder, to the lady chosen by God and her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives within us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. And it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father has commanded us. This letter is a postcard. It's only... 13 verses, the Apostle Paul refers to himself as the elder. At that time, John was probably the last living apostle. He was the elder of the church, and so he called himself that. He quite possibly was the last apostle who physically walked with Jesus. And as we know, we have the beautiful uh, book of John written by him. And so these letters are an expression of the divine revelation. And so this reference to the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, is a reference to the chosen lady and her children, the believers, you and me. And so he's writing to us. Did you notice in those four verses, he speaks the word truth five times, five times. He says, love in the truth, know the truth, be in the truth because of the truth that lives within us forever and walking in truth. You get right from the beginning that John is very concerned about truth. John received great gladness that some were walking in the truth. And to walk in the truth is to be obedient to the truth, living in the realm of that reality. John wanted the whole church to know to walk together in the truth. Walking was used to describe a person's life and behavior. 
To live in the truth means to live in accordance with God's revelations and God's standards. Today, truth is in trouble. It really is. What would you say to an unsure pilot who says, I think this is the button I should push? You probably want another pilot and another plane. What would you say to an unknown, uh, an unsure surgeon that says, I think this is where I cut? <laughs> I think you would want another physician. Or a pharmacist who says, I think uh, this is the medicine they told me to give you. I think, I hope. Well, you'd be looking for another pharmacist at another pharmacy. Because when it comes to your well-being, you don't want guesswork, my friends. You want the security that the person who is taking care of you is clear on what they're doing. In fact, what you want is truth. Unfortunately, we live in a day when truth has been kicked to the curb. It no longer carries the meaning that the Bible ascribes to it. Think about it. Truth brings light and clarity to everything. What is truth? Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Truth is anything God says about any subject. And God is ultimate reality. And God is ultimate truth. Therefore, what God says is truthful. God does not lie. God's holy word, word is our standard. It is a reliable and it helps us navigate and discern the lies that we hear every day. One article of clothing in the armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6 is the belt of truth. A belt is put around your entire body. A belt holds up your pants. It holds up life. Truth does. It does. God wants our lives to be surrounded by truth as defense. People today often confuse truth with facts. Now, facts make up truths. Facts are not the same as truth, though, because truth deals with the original source. For example, if I say I have a headache, that's a fact. So I get this over-counter pain medication, and I take it, and I take it, and I take it, and my fact is not resolved by the medication that I take. Then I make appointment with the doctor. The doctor does a brain scan on my head, only to discover that I have a brain tumor. I had a fact that my head was hurting, but that fact didn't tell me the truth because it didn't tell me why my head was hurting. It didn't tell me that I had a tumor. If I would have known that, I would have gone to the doctor sooner and gotten a whole different level of treatment. You see, you just don't want facts. Everyone has facts. You can be educated with facts. But the reason why people's lives are falling apart is that we no longer have the truth in our world, it seems. You see, today we live in a postmodern age, a post-Christian culture. What people believe today is that truth is relative. Truth, they believe there are no absolute truths. That's why you might hear a person say, well, I've got my truth because my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. It's what you believe to be true. 
You believe it long enough and strong enough and it becomes truth to you and you live in that reality. How can you determine truth by what you feel when feelings change though? How can you determine truth by your ethical standards when ethics can, can be so, become so corruptible? They change so often. often. We need a standard of truth. Take 2 plus 2, no matter where you go, 2 plus 2 equals 4. That is a truth mathematically. It's a standard. Folks, God is truth. God says that about himself, and he expresses that through the mouth of Jesus Christ. He's given a standard by which everything is measured. So in this postcard from John, John gives a warning in his letter that there are people telling lies about the truth, Jesus Christ. They're trying to dope the house churches in John's time. And John is imploring them to keep and hold to the truth. John says truth can live in them forever when they walk in the truth. Not only does Jesus, who is the truth, lives within us, but we are to live in his truths, which is found in the word of God. And we believe that as Christians as our absolute truth. God's truth is something that comes to direct, authentic believers. When I was a kid, I remember several commercials that were put out by Prego Spaghetti Sauce. And in those uh, commercials, people would come up to the person that was cooking and say, What? Sauce from a jar? Are you kidding me? And, and they would challenge the cook. They'd say, Where's the garlic? And the, the person would go, Papa, it's in there. They'd say, where's the basil? Papa, it's in there. Where's that home fresh taste? Papa, it's in there. It's in the sauce. You see, God put all truth and it's found in his word. If you need truth about saving your marriage, it's in there. It's in his word. If you need guidance about dealing with difficult people, it's in there. If you're confused about life and you need help, you need truths to help you in your confusion in life, it's in there. Not only it, it's in, when it gets in here and in here and is lived out, it directs us and authenticates our life journey, my friends. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And following the, Jesus, the truth of Jesus Christ is our way to live. And Jesus also promise us that we will experience abundant life in him and in that truth. It's in here. It's awesome sauce. It is. You see, John warned about false prophets who were deceiving Christian congregations. Just like in John's day, there are deceivers who have hidden agendas in our day and in our time. Often their teachings may resemble... Christianity in an expressed concern of individuals or an emphasis on loving and helping others. Yet their concept of Christ is not biblical. Our country is being bombarded with alternative religions and cults. And we find an amazing array of religious philosophy, including claims to psychic insight. Or various attempts at intermingling New Age thought with Christian truths. Recently, I had 
someone tell me that they were struggling with some life challenges. And they told me that they had a friend give them a, some special incense to ward off bad spirits in their homes. The friend told them to burn this incense through their homes. They, that person wanted my opinion on that matter. I said, poppycock. I don't use that word too often. Throw that stuff in the garbage. Speak the truth in love to them. Be a witness and tell them that prayer and God's word is your guide in life. And when you have difficulties and challenges in life. You see, we have to keep each other in the truth. James 5, 19 through 20 says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You see, tolerance is a password in today's corrupted culture. There's a saying that goes, you have what you tolerate. Think about it. We have today what we tolerated yesterday. Many parents can attest to this. They tolerated disrespect and talking back by their kids yesterday. And today, they might find a young adult with no respect for authority. The process will continue. We'll have tomorrow whatever we tolerate today. It is a fact. We have what we tolerate right now. Tolerance used to mean that we recognized and respected other people's beliefs and values, even if we did not share those values or beliefs. Today, tolerance means something entirely different. It now means that everyone's values, beliefs, and practices should be accepted and sometimes force accepted. That all truths, truth claims, are created as equal. While screaming tolerance, our lives are being tested to accept and sometimes tested to force accept. You see, James wants us to bring each other back so we can walk in nothing but the truth. We must live by those inner principles, not by outer pressure. We have to help each other guard God's truths and God's standards. And John said that we should walk in truth. We can also disagree in love. John has been adamant that those who walk in the truth should be people who love others. And he talks about truth and love. Love, though, is not to overshadow or overcome truth. Truth comes first and then love. This sounds harsh. But if we allow truth to be compromised in our lives and compromised in the truth, and we lose our foundation. John here uses this primacy of truth as he warns against false teachers that some well-intended Christians were entertaining in his time. John uses an incredible word for love, though. He uses agape. It contains such thoughts as caring for other people, showing loyalty to them, seeking their good. And it's also a part of sharing the deep truths of God because of the love that that person has for them. Agape love is the love that gives and expects nothing in return. And John loved them in truth with a voluntary, self-sacrificing love of God who is defined, and John defines him, that God is indeed love. 
This is a personal bond of love that keeps the church together, especially during truth crisis. Let's look at what John writes next in verses 5 and 6. He says, And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that you love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his commands is that you walk in love. The command to love one another recurs constantly in Scripture. John reminds his readers, this is nothing new, my friends. You know what Jesus said. Jesus also said, I give you a new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. We have to spend time learning how to love and then practicing it. Because God is love, and we are most like God when we love, especially in the ministry of giving truth. From God's perspective, life without love is worthless. The Bible states in 1 Corinthians 13, it reminds us in verse 6, no matter what else I do or say, it is worthless without love. Actually, Paul writes, I'm nothing without it. I implore you when you get up in the morning, before you rush into your day, pause and pray, Lord, don't let me waste this day. Whether or not I get anything else done, help me spend this day today loving. Remind me to love you. Remind me to love others because that's what your word says. That's what you command me to do. We just recognized our military. When a command is given, and, and I know this from firsthand experience, when a command is given, you don't say, ah, I'm not going to do that. You better watch out <laughs> if you do that. We are commanded to love. You see, we can be too preoccupied with making a living or paying our bills or accomplishing our goals as if these were the reasons for life. They are not. Our reason for life is to love, my friends, as living, breathing people. And these, these folks in the world are searching and don't know what love is. We know what love is. Mother Teresa said, it's not what you do, but how much you love, how much love you put into it. God said that life minus love equals zero. The best use of love is to love others in Jesus' name. We can show love by caring for people, by accepting, by listening, by helping, by giving, by serving, by spending time with, and sharing God's truth with them. We all know that we should love one another, but we must put the commandment into daily practice. John stresses throughout his letters how we can love God whom we have not seen unless we love brothers and sisters in Christ that we have seen. Don't withhold love. You know, today I was walking, because this, this was fresh on my mind, the sermon. I was walking and I saw Callie Jeter getting ready for the coffee, getting the coffee ready for us. And, I, and in my mind, I was pressed upon me by the Holy Spirit. It's like, Jonathan, just go up and love her. And I just found some words of encouragement, pouring life and love into her, thanking her for supplying the coffee for all of us. And it's doggone good coffee, by the way. God does not want us to withhold love. I was writing this sermon, and, and I took a break, and I, I just took some time off to listen to the radio, and I, I, did, I asked Alexa for a playlist. 
the first song that popped up was Let Your Love Flow by the Bellamy Brothers. You guys remember that? Let your love flow like a mountain stream. Just let your love flow. And I started singing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put that into the sermon. I usually sing sometimes here. But it's a great song, man. And you'll know what I mean. That's the reason. Just let your love fly. The commandment. If Jesus was singing that to us, he would say, I command you, let your love flow. Don't withhold it. You see, it's worth repeating again and again and again so that we don't miss the rewards of God through expression of love. We are to learn to love and then take that love and spontaneously combust that love everywhere, allowing our hearts to burn toward others. And this is everyone around you. There's no walls there. The three themes of this letter come together, truth, love, and obedience. What John writes is, what does it mean to love God? The answer is found in John 14, 15. This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Loving God means living according to God's commands. A Christian who truly seeks God's best for his brothers and sisters can only do so by obeying what God has commanded him to do. Love undirected by, God's, uh, undirected by God's revelation will be, will may, oh, excuse me. Love undirected by God's revealed will may easily de- degenerate into wise, sentimental activity. Believers who are walking into truth are living in response of what God has revealed in loving each other in obedience. So after commending the church for walking in the truth, John reminds the church to com- with the command to love and be obedient in that practice. Truth, love, and obedience are an unbeatable team, my friends. They are a winning combination. They are a dynamic trio. Truth without love makes a person too harsh. But love without truth makes a person dangerous because he or she will allow feelings to take charge and problems to take root in their lives and in their families or in their jobs or in their church. They'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. John says, I commend you for walking in the truth and I command you to walk in love. Be obedient to that. You see how all three of these go together. You see, a football has two prongs. And you have to get the football through those two prongs. One prong of the illustration here is what God expects and what he commands as truth. The other prong, the other side, is what we express to others based on those commandments, which is love. And to keep with the football illustration... Truth and love are the goalposts, and the football is the obedience in action. And when you have all three in your lives, the scoreboard of your life will light up. It will light up in godly ways. Hearts set on fire by God's truth and love cannot be, cannot be contained. God commands us to walk in the truth. God commands us to walk in love where we are joyfully obeying and doing both. And what happens, my friends? Biblical ministry takes place. Lives around us will draw nearer to the truth 
and be inspired to love. The greatest example of truth, love, and obedience is Jesus Christ. We look to Jesus Christ in his life ministry. He spoke the truth. He said, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is the greatest expression of love in the world. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And what did he do? He laid down his life for the world. Before he went to the cross, he prayed in the garden, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then in perfect obedience, he went to the cross. Jesus modeled that truth and love and obedience. He invites us today to come to his table, this table that expresses all three of these realities, truth and love and obedience. And he invites us to remember these truths that we are set free for joyful obedience.